Welcome to the NPL Sunday Night Show, powered by the Brisbane Football Review. Hosted by Scott Owen. Well, firstly, what a surprise Adam goes through a game at Morton Bay. And Adam Pace. I was going to say, I think you're going to say, yep, that's, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Let's, let's go have this one. Your weekly NPL recap starts now. Men's Grand Final Weekend is in the bag here in Queensland. Congratulations to the winners of the MPL, FQPL 1 and FQPL 2 Grand Finals. Welcome to the of the MPL Sunday on the Brisbane Football This is Scott and Adam, as usual. Adam, it's been another huge weekend with Grand Finals decided in the men's side and finals places secured in the women's. How are you? I'm good, yeah. So uh, Super September's off to a great start. A uh, great night out at uh, Perry Park last night, or Parc de Prix, as we like to refer to it as, for any of our new listeners. Um, but, uh, also, but also as well, I thought Friday night, uh, down at Carmichael Park, I think it was a, uh, a very a late a late switch as well, and they actually came off well, because I thought the um, it turned out to be a very, very, you know, a good atmosphere on a very foggy Friday night. Absolutely. So on the show tonight, we will go through the MPL men's, FQPL 1 and FQPL 2 grand finals with interviews from players and winning coaches. We'll bring those to you over the course of the next hour or so. We also have final round of action in the MPL and FQPL women's and the upcoming semifinals in that competition. And maybe if there's time, a little 15, 20 seconds on the Australia Cup. We'll have enough to wait and see. But this is the Brisbane Football Review. If you want to get in contact with us on Facebook and Twitter, search for Brisbane Football Review or I'll email Review at gmail.com. Now, we will, Adam, start, as always, with the MPL men's competition where it was a 2-0 win for Gold Coast Knights, their second grand final win in four years, both coming over Olympic FC. In this case, it was a 2-0 win for the for the Gold Coast Knights in this game. Max Brown in the 23rd minute, Pasquale DeVita in the 88th minute. We'll go through the goals and the big moments in a moment, but in terms of the context of the game, this really felt like a game that Gold Coast Knights were in large control for the majority of the game. And when they've got a goal in front, it was always going to be really, really difficult for a little bit to get back into the game and Knights really strangled the life out of the contest during the second half, didn't they? I think it's a case of with all these big games in, in this competition that the, the first goal scorer uh, in, I'll say in most cases, especially in these grand final situations, is such a it's such a vital goal because uh, then it sort of then sets the tone for the rest of the game. And uh, look, it was I thought it was very very even if sort of you know both both uh, both sides sort of in the first twenty minutes or so they were really sort of you know, feeling each other out. Then uh, Max <laughs> Brown, you know, sort of popped up. From nowhere, after you know, after a uh, a header, uh, a directed header through, and he and he opened up the scoring, and uh, it was actually from uh, Pascal De Vita, who I was just trying to remember who it was uh, that uh, that made it uh, that made one nil, and that sort of then I think set the tone. And I, from there, it looked like that there was a bit of for for Olympic. They really didn't sort of you know respond well to that. There was a couple of a couple of instances. Maybe uh, Daniel Leck might have been lucky to sort of you know. Just get nothing more than a yell after off the off the ball incident, and uh, yeah, after that, Olympic really seemed to look like they'll they'll be uh, second best all night. And then Davida's goal uh, in the final minutes that pretty much uh, sealed it. But I think by then, I think it was pretty apparent that uh, yeah, that it was uh, going to be uh, it was going to be Gold Coast night night's night. Absolutely, most certainly was nice pun there for you as well. But when the first goal did come through, Max midway through the first half, it's fair to say that the goal had been coming, and the Knights were. In large parts, in control, they were in on the ascendancy, had a lot of possession and territory, and looked at the goal was coming really well, nicely worked goal from the nice, but it was certainly coming in. You could tell at that point they were well on top. Yeah, yeah, like I said, I said it was sort of you know, a very even first twenty minutes, but yeah, you could see that you know, Knights were gaining the ascendancy, that the game plan that Scott McDonald sort of had set in motion, you could see it starting to sort of you know, develop, and when that goal went. through, uh, went in. That was pretty much sort of the, I guess, the beginning of the end for for Olympic. Even though they they had their chances, they had plenty of chances, but it was always going to take you know a, a Herculean effort from there to you know to to peg it back. Even even at one nil down. Absolutely. And at that point, it was one nil, and that was the score going into the halftime break. And look, Olympic, they did make some changes in the game, try and get some ascendancy and try and change the momentum of the game. They did were able to have a lot of territory and possession, but there was never. Any real danger there for Gold Coast Knights was there in terms of once they got the ball down into that front third, they weren't able to have that cutting cutting edge as we've seen all year long from Olympic. And Knights really nullified that they cut down the space, were really compact, and just did not give Olympic any chance to to get a strike on goal. And on the contrary, 
they were quite dangerous on in transition as well the Knights, weren't they? Yeah, and I, look, I, you got to sort of go in a way praise and and credit, you know, Olympic. They didn't they didn't deviate from their game plan. They, they, they I think they, I think the one thing you know you should know Ben Khan and his and his coaching style is that they'll they'll always you know back the way they play they play. They still you know, play you know, a lot of short passes, you know, trying one two things, trying to you know move around the fenders and you know open up channels. And they didn't abandon that. But uh, look, at the end of the day, it is sort of, it was just sort of a night where things just uh, the it didn't seem to drop where you know where players that yeah you expect them to sort of you know to to sort of you know get get that you know final touches too heavy or you know there'll be a nice defender that you know would get a foot on the ball or get a deflection that would push out of the way of the oncoming attacker. So it was just it was just one of those nights where it just did not uh it did just did not fall for Olympic. And I really don't think there were many chances where you could say, oh that was a chance where they could get back in the game. It's always like that it seemed like nights seemed to be one step ahead of them, you know, from about the 20 minutes onwards. Yeah, most of it was played in front of that Knights back line and it wasn't really too much of really cutting edge open open chances that United uh, Olympic were able to create. I beg your pardon. Conversely, on the other way, on Knights, when they were able to get forward in that front, they were absolutely clinical, weren't they? And again, in the last few minutes when, when they were to secure the game, Pascal Adamir's goal, picked the ball up on the halfway line and just, just went at Olympic. I know that the Olympic were really pushing players for I think they had only a couple of defenders back at that point, but there was plenty of space and they were able to exploit it ruthlessly for that second goal. And at that point, the game was well and truly done, and Knights had well had thoroughly deserved their win. Yeah, look, this was uh, by far from what from what we have seen, what we have covered. Uh, this is by far Pascal Davida's best game for for Knights. So he was absolutely immense. Basically. He set up set up the goal for Max Brown. You know, he, yeah, that 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 goal that yeah you know, he scored uh, was probably one of the best grand final goals that we've seen you know, in the MPL era. I'd, I'd almost say it's, it's, there's a couple there's a couple that you know, again that on my mind that would probably be above it. There's probably at least two that straight away but that that was a good goal I think you know the circumstance of being your know, 88th minute you know Olympic trying to push for it you know maybe did a but look it takes it takes a good player to do what he did and that was a spectacular finish and probably well and well deserved man of the match absolutely he was awarded the man of the match at full time and you're right it was might not be the most spectacular goal in NPL grand finals up here in Queensland but it's certainly the signature moment of this particular grand final his breakaway goal to make it 2-0 and that did that was the final score, as I mentioned, and we'll talk about the actual atmosphere around the ground. Now, we'll hear from both Coach and Pascal Adebide in a moment, but the uh, the atmosphere around the ground, was just over 4,000 people there in attendance. From what I, from my remembrance, Adam, that's the biggest crowd of, at an MPL Queensland grand final yet, and there was a terrific atmosphere from both sets of supporters around the ground. And we'll get to the the um, FQP1 game before it in a moment, but there was a great atmosphere around the ground on Saturday night, wasn't there? It was. Look, this, this is uh, something I think you know, Football Queensland and uh, Brisbane Strikers being the uh, tenants of of uh, Parc de Paris, I think they, they would that they should be very proud of uh, what they put on last night. Look, a couple of instances of, you know, again, sort of reports, but I think, again, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, you can't, you can't tarnish, you know, the whole 4,000 for the, you know, for the actions of, of you know, a few over-exuberant supporters, you know, whether you, you know, if, if you saw, I'm, I'm trying to talk in a code, maybe I should be, you know, a bit more transparent and say, look, if, if you were against, you know, the flares or, you know, that, yeah, that, that was a, a fence, a temporary fence that collapsed, you know, and so I looked, you know, it, it is what it is, you know, and, and like I said, that, that, that's a separate investigation side. Don't use that, those excuses, to, you know, try and pull down the rest of the night. I think, I think, I think the most fascinating thing as well is that, you know, that it just proves that there is, that, you know, if you put on quality football, you're gonna you're gonna get crowds and 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 you know you put on a big event and you know like I said there was a lot of you know, talk before you know before the night that you know oh the, the entry fee being you know twelve dollars for you know if you pay prepay you know before the night or you know seventeen dollars at the gate that oh it may it may um dissuade a few people well I think four and a, you know four thousand people plus. I think that this certainly, you know, is a tick in the right direction. That you know, if you put on a a big a big night of football, that those they will come. And so, it's another great example of the fact that there is a market out there for our second division, and maybe hopefully we're not too far away from that. But on to that, just before we get to the audio, I don't want to talk about Gold Coast Knights as a club specifically now, Adam. Last year we know that they did miss the finals. It wasn't a good year for them in any way by their very high standards. This is now their second grand final success in four years as a club, and. They might not have been happy with the fact that it was a second place team, so we know that they have very high standards and they aim high. 
but to pick up two grand final trophies in a four-year span for for a club which had just entered the competition from the Gold Coast League is an absolutely fantastic thing for everyone down there at the Croatian Sports Centre, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, they, they they are a very, very well-run professional uh, club. Like I said, yeah, I know in the past, it's sort of, you know, you know, and even seen you know, for a while, their ambition is almost ruthless. You know, we saw what happened to to Gray Pittick. You know, the fact that also as well, they they aimed high, and you know. And it was able to recruit Scott McDonald last year. They didn't make any secret of it or anything like that. They they recruited him back in uh, September, I do believe. They made the announcement. So, uh, so yeah. So this is a, they're a club that you know have got great ambition, and you know you, you you love to see it. That you know the fact is that they're not they're not shy of showing their ambition. And you know, look, congratulations to Adrian Pulich and the whole whole team down there, down behind the scenes as well. Obviously, the club and the club, the football department, all that. You know, and uh, and yeah, and I actually saw some photos uh this this morning on instagram that uh that i know that uh, i thought the players might have been a little hungover but uh or at least the coach may have been but he was actually out there parading the trophy with the juniors this morning so look it's a, it's a very very good example that you know that you know, i know scott mcdonald especially is very, very excited for the future not only with the current players under his watch but obviously the academies are under that as well so look if if they they look like they're looking to build dynasty of their own much similar to some of the other dynasties in this league, and it's up to the other clubs to sort of you know to really um, to sort of you know to step up and match that. But uh, look at at this time, it's Gold Coast Knights uh, competition. Even though they they said Lions would obviously would take a lot of you know would say they're, they're the premiers, they're the they're the um, they're the number one team. But uh, look, it's like so both clubs at the moment are tracking the right direction. You know, so they fish one and two in the uh, at the end of the league. I think the thing that's very all three clubs that we spoke to were very big on celebrating their successes with the juniors and the other teams around the club. So that's something that's really good to see that all teams are going mm. to that part. But to echo what you said earlier, congratulations to Adrian and everyone down at the Creation Sports Centre on a second to grand final trophy. After the game, we caught up with the head coach of Gold Coast Knights, Scott McDonald, and the winning goal scorer in the match, Pascal Davidis. That's what they both had to say. And we'll be back right after this. We're talking about the coach of Gold Coast. Two new winners here in the NPL Grand Final. Really complete performance from your side. Are you really happy with the way the side performed out there? Yeah, I'm delighted. Um, obviously, the game plan worked, particularly first half. Uh, look, when you go 1-0 up in these games, there is a tendency, because there's so much on the line, that you're going to have moments where you, you're going to sit behind a little bit. And We lost our legs a little bit because we put so much into it, but we knew that if we had the energy and we could get you know, on top of them, because they like to play their, their tempo. If we could play it ours, we were going to be trouble for them. And, and we did that really, really well first half. Uh, the results during the season didn't go well for you against Olympic. What did you change going into this game to get a different result? Uh, the results against the big four were always there. Look, there was mishaps when we played Olympic away. Um, and we had our little dips, but the mid-season signings were, were, were big for us. And we knew the problems and we rectified them. So uh, the staff and myself... You know, I had a big think about it, and the club did, and we wanted to go in a different direction, and um, it's paid dividends. You know, I know we lost the last two before the end of the season, and we dropped a few points here and there, but look, this is the beginning of our cycle. This is only the beginning, right? So um, maybe next year we'll be in the top four. Hopefully, everyone will pick us to be in there next year, eh? Hopefully, they will. <laughs> in terms of the cycle, is the start of it. You must be really happy with the way year one has gone. In terms of the expectation at the start of the year at Gold Coast, they're always to be competitive, not winning silverware, to get the result yeah, first year. I think, I think my, my captain put it well when he was on Football Queensland's uh, TV show the other week. Uh, we're not happy because we didn't we didn't win everything. We want to win everything at this club. That's my mentality. It's the next thing. It's the next thing. It's the next thing. It's not the now. It's the next thing. So I'll enjoy tonight, and then we'll be on to the next thing. And I'll let the boys enjoy it because it's been a long season for us. We've been together longer than anyone. Probably it's worked in our favour a little bit because the, the boys have got to know me really well, and I've got to know them. And like I said, they're a part of my family now. You know, like this means more to me than anything else I've done in my career. Because it's the next thing, and that's what it's all about, you know, the progression in life. I was going to ask you about that. So your first year as a head coach in terms of coaching, it must be a really great achievement for yourself personally to be able to get the result in the very first year as yeah, a head coach. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from a tactical, technical aspect, I've learned a hell of a lot, you know, in such a short space of time. You know, I could coach. I knew I could coach. I've been doing it for 10-plus years on the football field. So the only thing is I can't make a difference on the field. Now I've just got to do it off it, but... What I've loved is the connection I've made with people, you know, and that's been the, the most special thing 
with me and this club. I, I feel connected to the people. Um, and that's the most important thing. If you're going to have success, everyone needs to feel connected and, and be going in the right uh, direction. And we're doing that as a football club now. Um, we've had huge succession with juniors as well, which we're extremely proud of. And we want to be the best club in Queensland, you know, and, that, and that's when we're going to keep driving to be that. We certainly are. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. As a player, how did you find that out that's night? So, <clears throat> in the week, um, the coach uh, showed us how you have to play. And uh, it's all, all in, honestly. It uh, was good. And uh, we, we did, the, everyone did um, his job. So that, that's why we won. You made the move from Thunder in the offseason. Imagine these are sorts of occasions you made the move to Knights to be a part of. Yes, yes, and I'm very happy here at Gorkos Knights, and uh, it's a huge club. I think it's uh, the best club in Queensland, and uh, I'm very happy to be here. Like your side seemed to be in control for the majority of the games. Is that the way you felt out there as well as a player? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly, grand final is, is good to play, so I was, my adrenaline was very up, so I want to kill everyone, and I, I made it. Uh, you scored the second goal. How did you talk to that and how did you feel about it? Yeah, good, very good. I said, now I got, my, I got myself and I scored this goal and I made it. Is that the most important goal you think you scored so far in your career? Yes, I think so. Yeah, it is. It is. In grand final, MPL, so yes, it's the most important. Congratulations on what you go to. Thank you very much. And thank you to Gold Coast Nice for uh, grabbing Scotland and Pascal Adavita for us there and also to player and coach for talking to us after the game on Saturday night. Adam, we'll move on now. We will talk about Olympic FC. And it's a it's a discussion where it's a double-edged sword. It's a fifth straight grand final appearance and a fifth straight grand final defeat. And I want to start by saying, I, I think that what the job that Ben Khan has done there at Olympic is absolutely superb. You mentioned earlier, he does not deviate from the way he wants his side to play. It might not have been successful on the big day, but there's only been 10 NPL Queensland grand finals and he's coached to 50% of them. So... It may not have worked on the day, but what they've done to get to this point should not be diminished. Absolutely not. Um, look, uh, look, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stand, stand here and you know get my whole horse said, oh, you know, rival fans, you know, who are, who are you know, giving it large this morning about you know choke job and you know, oh, that you know, Ben Khan can't coach in the big games. I'm, look, you know what, rival fans, this is what makes our game so great. That you know, there is a lot of banter, there's a lot of that. But you know, I think that you know, and most people that are smart and not talking about, it, I think that there will be also a lot of respect for Ben Khan. The fact is, yeah, look, you cannot ignore the fact that they've they've gotten to five, you know, five grand finals. Look, I felt that this is this is the one. Now it was almost like now or never. Um, look, and it didn't it didn't happen. You know, it doesn't mean that you know the world should stop. For Olympic, I think they need to keep on going back to the world because they're, they're obviously close enough. But look, I. I a couple of people have you know sort of mentioned and I tend to agree that perhaps did did Olympic play their grand final last week? Is is that is, is that sort of you know and that then no because then there's nothing to blame about that. Obviously, you know, beating beating up the the the, the chief rival on the on the home turf, you know, it's again that that's that's one thing to be, be able to come back come back down down to earth and sort of, you know and start again sometimes it's difficult so look if it, maybe it would have been different if they had say example against if they had a beaten you know peninsula power or you know had they met gold coast knights in the um say final and then built up to lions in the final would have been a different result would have you know lions had their hold over them look they're, they're, they're all hypotheticals but um look yeah i think the legacy of of ben Carr, i think should not be sort of you know disparaged i think it's i think it's a um uh, it's a great record, and that's something that that club should be very proud of. Absolutely. And one thing also in terms of the way the game did pan out, this is the fifth straight grand final they have been defeated in, but it's also the fourth straight grand final they've gone a goal down in. So do, as the game began to go in the second half and they got increasingly desperate trying to find a solution, do you think that might have been just playing in the back of their minds just a little bit that they've been in the same situation a few times before and not been able to find a way back in? Because it just seemed like they just... They just lacked something last night. I was not sure if it was creativity or cutting it in the front third or what it was, but it just seemed like there was just something missing for the Olympic last night. Normally I'd say no. However, we've got to take into account that there are a number of players and a large number of players that stay in lineup who have been with Ben Khan since that first grand final. And look, I've got to believe, you know, I've, I've, we've, we've covered 
all five grand finals ourselves. And, and it's every year. It's like commiserations, commiserations, commiserations. And that, that's, that's got to, um, that's, that's got to weigh heavy on us all players, especially someone like a, a Steve White, who's probably, you know, I think thankfully he was spared, you know, the ignominy of, of having to deliver a, um, you know, a, a post a post match you know speech. I think uh, I think it's just for the record very... that was pre planned. Apparently that if that the result went that way, that was the way it was going to go. Down. Yeah, look, and I, I think that's a that is a very very good decision. I think that was made. I think there. I think you gain absolutely nothing by you know dragging him you know for a fifth year in a row to say congratulations you know as a, as a losing captain. So I think that's great. But yeah, look back to the original question. I've got to believe that you know at some point that does have to sink in. So oh, not again. Especially, and I think after and that came, you know, about the twenty-first minute when that goal went in. I think that, that, you know, for maybe for a fleeting second, that thought of, you know, oh, here we go again, would have, you know, sort of come through. Had they have gotten that first goal, I think it might have been different. I think it's like uh, this, this is it. You know, we can push on. We can, we can do it. Because uh, yeah, like I said, as we know, with Olympic and with, with all these teams in the top four, the top four teams, that first goal is so crucial because they're both all teams. All those four teams have a very, very good ability to grind out games once they get in front. Now, then, Mark of very, very good teams. And I think that that first goal, that that pretty much, you almost said that was the winner right there. Because, uh, yeah, from there it would have been very, very hard to see, uh, very hard to see it take you know, a lot of, a lot of effort to go to get two goals. You know, much less one just to take an extra time. Absolutely. And it, as I said, it is now seven grand finals out of ten Olympic have qualified for. So they've been to seventy percent of the grand final. So it's still a fantastic team for everybody at Olympic. Commiserations on the way it went, but congratulations once again to Gold Coast Knights. We'll move on to the FQPL1 grand final. Adam, and this was quite a cracking game of football. It's between Redlands United and Rosa Rose on Saturday afternoon at the Parc de Paris. Greg Cheshire and Oleg Kikahinde scored two goals in a couple of minutes to give Rosa Rose a big pun. They 2-0 lead, which they took to the halftime break, and it looked like it was going to be a first championship for the Rovers, and then all of a sudden, three goals in the final 30 minutes again. Ben Njai, Dean Altero, and Dylan Brent in the 88th minute with the winning goal for Redlands. Where on earth did this comeback, this fight back come from, Adam? Look, uh, we, we spoke about it um, about, you know, sort of after the game, just waiting for the pre, um, the trophy presentation. Look, I look, I actually think, and, you know, I, I may be going a bit crazy, but you know, being at the ground, I actually reckon that, I actually give the credit to the supporters in the Redlands, in the Redlands, um, you know, seeing the Redlands area who were in front of us in the in the press box. That at half time, you know, it could have very easily been a thing, oh, 2 0 down, you know, they, they're, they're sort of, you know, they're sort of trudging off. But the, the evasion that those fans gave, those supporters gave to that side as they walked up that tunnel, I've got to believe that Graham Harvey used that as, you know, some motivation to say, look, we are not out of this. You know, they just put two, two goals on you. You go and do the same to them in the second half, and lo and behold, they didn't even found a third. So look, I think I think that was probably almost what well, I'd say a key moment. <laughs> it, it's a, it's intangible that you know whether it really did or anything that you know you could argue say oh maybe Rochdale sort of go you know, bottled it or they got they got a bit tense as that after after Ben Enjoy's first goal went in or you can say it, but you know for my if, I, if I'm looking for you know a story a, a narrative, I'd like to use that one that you know that I think that the fans. That you know, they, they, like I said, the fans and that 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 place also as well. It's just some of the biggest, the best victories from that club uh, have been at that ground. Um, it just seems to be the legend of Redlands at, at Perry Park. There seems to be the um, seems to be the answer for them. Maybe they should move um, the Park to Perry down to uh, Cleveland yeah. somewhere. Given their record there, you're right. They've yeah. won an NPL Grand Final on that ground. They beat Adelaide United, the A League champions, in the National Cup on that ground. Now they've won a second Grand Final there, but. It it seemed like a, a, in the first half I don't I think it was a really even contest for me I thought it was a really even contest and then there were two goals back to back for Rochdale they scored a really good goal the first one and the second one it seemed like Redlands hadn't fully co- coped with the fact they conceded one they conceded a second back to back but it seemed like a, I know you thought Graham Harvey might have been unhappy in the first half we'll hear from him in a moment but I thought it was still a really even first half where Redlands had a lot of possession and had a lot of half chances and. Rochdale didn't have as much of the game as you would think for a side that were two 0 in front. Yeah, look at the first half an hour was yeah it was it was pretty even. In fact, I'd say that Redlands were sort of they seemed to have the uh, 
the initiative on that. Uh, but uh, but yeah, like so that the, the shock of that first goal, uh, yeah, that, that sort of sent back. And then the second goal was admittedly a mistake at the back, which then sort of basically you know allowed Inka Kahinde to sort of you know pretty much coast in and and, and blast plus Ryan Govan. So you know yeah, the two nil two nil down at half time, you know. It, they say that it's the most dangerous scoreline at half time, you know, in football. And look, it's it's uh proven again. But I think there's there's a lot more mind games and you know, sort of you know, I the best thing that happened was half time. It allowed, allowed them to reset, you know, and, and sort of you know go back after it. And and also as well that you know the, the fact is that Rochdale had won the the uh, two previous league meetings both times, you know, with with late winners. So I think that as well. So it, it sort of you know exercised a lot of demons, you know, in you know in a short space of time. And you know Redlands can say that you know they are they are the premiers, they are the the uh, grand final winners, and uh, I think they're the best team in the league. I think uh, they they proved that because I think that had they have lost even even if they had lost that grand final. You'd argue that you know our Rochdale, the the better team. You know, even though they fin- even though that you know, Redlands finished top top of the league in the premiers. You know, two wins, possibly three three straight wins over them. Like I said, there would have been no question about it. Absolutely no doubt. It was a great fight back from Redlands. You could really sense in the crowd the second half. Once they did get that first goal, you mentioned the crowd really did get them over the line. It was once Ben and Jai got a goal back for Redlands that really reignited the belief almost in the Redlands crowd. And at that, in the last twenty minutes, they were almost completely on the attack and we could sense an equaliser was coming but they left it really late to do it and it was a it was very much like what they did in the um in the NPL graph all over FNQ hit they left it late then they left it late again but the winner from Dylan Brett the captain who has scored a lot of goals for them this year that's the most important goal that he's scored without a shadow of a doubt isn't it Oh, absolutely. He's been, he's been fantastic this, this season. And, uh, yeah, look, deserving of you know, a grand final winning goal. Uh, yeah, like I said, that you you would have thought that perhaps, yeah, they, they got back into it too all. Yeah, let's just settle for... Um, Let's settle for yeah, extra time, but uh, as we saw in the uh, in the FQPL two grand final the previous night, which we'll discuss in, in a bit, uh, that the window to win that game for Redlands was to, to try and you know to try and finish it off in in normal time, and that and that they did. And they absolutely did nothing. I'm caught with the head coach of Runzone, Graham Harvey, and the winning goal scorer Dylan Brent. I'd like to say, and we'll be back right after this. Uh, the coach of Redlands, Graham Harvey. Graham, three-two winners here in the in the grand final. What are your thoughts on that one? Uh, obviously, a game of two halves. Yeah, I thought, um, thought we were really poor first half. To be honest, I didn't think we got hold of the ball. I think we struggled with that without the ball as well. Um, obviously, said a few <laughs> choice words at halftime to the lads, um, but we also adjusted tactically at halftime. Um, I thought the boys' second half were really good and got got their reward. To be honest, this team's shown a lot of resilience all year. Scored a lot of late goals. Must be, we had a lot of confidence that your side could come back from even two goals down. Yeah, we said that at half-time. We said, like, it's only 2-0. It's a difficult scoreline to be in front. We've had that a few times this year where we've struggled. So we were we were confident as long as we got the first goal, um, and obviously we did. But I think tactically there were just a couple of changes. The boys adapted so, so well with it. Um, and to be honest, we've scored in Rochdale time. They've done that to enough sides this year, so there's one back. Absolutely. I mean, it's been a really great year. Must have, was that, this a target to start the year through the double? If it was, you must be really happy with the way the whole year's been. No, our target at the start of the year was to get promoted. We've obviously done that a few weeks ago. Um, it's been it's been a bit of a struggle in the last few weeks, just keeping the boys focused and on track because that was our goal to, to go straight up. So, uh, look, credit to the boys. Obviously, second half there as well. They've dug so deep. So, really pleased for them. And pleased for the club. Pleased for everyone behind the scenes. It's really made this uh, possible for us. Dylan Brent's got a lot of goals. So you must be always happy for him to pop up once again for you. Happy that he scored the goal, although we're probably going to hear about that now for another six months. And probably that he's in double figures from a right back. So, no, nah, but look, Dill's deal's been magical all year. He's been so reliable, so dependable, and yeah, pops up with some big goals. Um, normally, the grand finals general team, you've got the FQ Champions League. How important is that as a club to try and go and pick up another trophy this year? Yeah, like we said to the boys, uh, anytime you play for a trophy, anytime you play for an, uh, an honour as a player, like go and make the most of it. Go and go and embrace it and try and try and win. There's no point. There's no point us just turning up trying to see it, have a bit of fun out there. We want to go out there and win. So another trophy will be good. Absolutely. Just finally, tremendous atmosphere in the grand final. Must be fantastic to win the trophy in front of this large travelling support. Yeah, it's lovely. Um, we've obviously, as a club, we've had some great times down here at Perry Park in the past. So yeah, just to see the crowd there and the celebrations for us to see our juniors. So many juniors here is great. So pressure's on FQ to promote the juniors. Yeah, look, mate, honestly, like, you know, 2-0 down at half-time, they always say it's a dangerous scoreline, but, you know, 
we got in there, you know, we, we spoke to the boys and we did what we needed to do and, you know, left it as a thriller, really. Um, you've shown a lot of resilience all year, making a lot of comebacks. Is that kind of the best half time you've done before you can do it again? Yeah, I mean, I don't see why not, you know. Like, uh, us boys stay strong together and, you know, we have a really good chemistry and, yeah, we just stuck together in the end and got it done. Uh, you scored a fair few goals to you. One more important than that one, you want to talk us through? Yeah, look, I mean, yeah, I didn't think it was going to come out. I mean, it was a pretty scrappy goal, but, you know, especially in finals like this, you'll take any goal you can, that's for sure. <laughs> so how did you find the experience here in the grand final today? Yeah, look, unreal. The crowd was unreal. Like, honestly, like, the support from everybody, even the away fans, I love that kind of stuff. This is the kind of stuff, you know, you play football for, so it's unreal. Thank you to Graham and Dylan for their time at Perry Park on Saturday afternoon. Adam? We'll move on now and we will talk about the FQPL 2 grand finals. You mentioned this before those interviews, which was played on Friday night between Service Paris Apollo and Wynnum Wolves down at, at Carmichael Park. And it was a, wasn't was a home game for Wynnum Wolves, but it was a great atmosphere down there for them in that game. They weren't able to get over the line, unfortunately. However, it was a 3 1 win in extra time for Service Paradise. Two goals from Jack Perrin, including the winner in the 114th minute, as well as the opening goal from Tyler Wagstaff. That did cancel out a Byron McLeod equaliser in normal time and it this was again it was a really even first half surface got a got a goal the game desperately needed right after the halftime break but for the rest of that second half winner wolves were absolutely dominant trying to chase the game they got an equaliser they weren't able to get over the line in normal time i think just the quality of surface paradise told in the end didn't it yeah absolutely i think that was it was as we just spoke about with the the, the Redlands Rochdale FQPL one grand final, when Byron McLeod equalised, you had the sense that if Wolves can find that had they had the ascendancy, if they had found that second goal, it, they would have won the grand final. But you know, look, credit to Surface Paradise, they they stuck to their guns, they didn't they didn't panic in you know, in the last in the last sort of, you know, ten minutes or so, it took an extra time, and they sort of they knew they had run out of top. And look, Jack Peroni uh, in this final series, he scored he scored some great goals. Um, even this, but you now there were probably no more important than the, the goal that he scored. The, the first goal he scored an extra time to put him two one ahead. Um, yeah, and look, he, he he's you know been a revelation. I think this season, especially in the final series, he had a massive impact for that first place Polo side, hasn't he? And as I said, they deserved their lead surface when they did get the goal back or they got the lead. Sorry, but Wynnum Wolves certainly were worthy of something out of the game. They got the equaliser by McLeod, and then they had a great chance for Graham Fife in the last 10 minutes of the game, which he put wide from close range. And you thought that might have been, okay, Surf Paradise can now reset in extra time and go again. But they considered a penalty very early in that second, in that extra time period. And the goalkeeper absolutely dug them up. The superb save in the Harvey was an absolutely spectacular save for Surf Paradise to keep them in the game. At that point, it seemed like Wynnum Wolves, their momentum that they had been building, just kind of flatlined, didn't it? Yeah, look, uh, going back to that there, that that chance that Graham Fife had, I think, you know, look, we're, we've we've followed Graham Fife for many years in this in this league. And if there's one player you thought you'd back, say, you know, you know, the pretty much one on one open goal, yeah, it would be him. So yeah, look, it just shows that even the most experienced, and you know, when I talk about about Graham Fife, he is the pretty much I, I call him the ageless one. Um, that you know that yeah, if he can miss you know finals pressure can play funny things, and even even in the penalty uh, that that was missed as well. I think that was probably the two chances that Wolves had. You know, if they were going to win the grand final, that was going to be it. But then, um, like I said, that they they were thwarted, and then I guess the the, the tail night would be then Surface Paradise would go, you know, take the ascendancy and uh, and end up taking out the grand final. At that point, you did sense that Service Paradise would get a chance. And to your point, Jack Peroni's had a great season, but also a spectacular final series. He was just absolutely clinical in front of goals. He got a couple of chances. He took both absolutely superbly to to win the game for Surface, didn't he? Yeah, look, I, I'm I'm yeah I'm. I'm, I'm looking forward to what he can do. You know, you know FQPL one next season. Obviously, if he goes around again, if just, like you'd assume, so we it's, we're ending that silly season now where players are resigned and whatnot. Now over the coming months, I, I'd love to see him back. You know, obviously in FQPL one, he's probably good enough to play MPL. Yeah, you know, truth truth be told, but we'll see where that goes. But yeah, because I said over this season as well, you know, it's it's been great watching Surface Paradise. They, they've been they've been the dominant team. There's no you cannot take that away from you know only one loss all season. Um, 
Yeah, like and I said, watching watching those players sort of you know, go around. We all we all knew what Teddy Watson could do. Like, he he's the, he's the star of the show. But watching other players like Jack Peroni, you know, Harvey Rivers in goal has been has been great. You know, Adam Powell, you know, the the hard defence. You know, and I'm missing a number of players other players as well. He probably could rattle off the whole team. But uh, yeah, look, it's been a pleasure watching him go around. I'd love to see how they go at that next level. Uh, and Wolves as well. Well, Wolves is, uh, as second second half of the season, they have been they have been great. Um, with Byron McLeod's been revelations. He came from came over from Redlands mid season. Um, and Ren Yoshioka, I thought, had a brilliant game. Uh, you know, like I say, in, in a losing effort. So look, there's uh, again, I think you know, Service Paradise are probably you know, I've, they were the rightful winners. But you know, Wolves, Mark Wolves and the Wolves team, I think they they. Should you know keep their heads held up high? And like I said, they they're up in FQ Fuel One next season, along with Albany Creek. So um, these battles, you know, could could rage on into next and further season. This is a good game of football. I do service price. They have clearly been the best side in FQPL two season. They only had the one loss here. That was on the final day of the regular season against Magic United when they'd already skilled promotion and the Premiership. So maybe they had one eye on the finals, but they've been the dominant side all year long. And winner Wolves. Midway through the year, it looked like they were going to be a maybe a finals team, maybe a mid-table team, but they really caught fire at the back end of the season. And they've been absolutely superb. They well and truly deserved their spot in the grand final. And, and, and well, it might have been a bit of an odd decision to play the game at Carmichael Park. It was a fantastic atmosphere out there on Friday night, Adam. And given what that club has been through in the last 12 months with, with flooding and other incidents on their field, which we don't really want to go back into, it was great to see a great crowd out there at Carmichael Park and that facility back and looking at its absolute best. Absolutely. Now, and like I said, I hope that uh, they, that while it was, it, was a, it was a free entry, uh, that where it would have been a, a ticketed event at at uh, Parc de Paris. But, um, but yeah, like I said, I, they, I, I did a roaring, I would have done a roaring trade through, you know, obviously the bar and, you know, and, and the canteen and whatnot. And I think every cent, you know, yeah, hopefully, you know, would, you know, goes back to that club because, you know, I think uh, Robbie Cram and the whole committee down there, I think, you know, given the year they've had, and the years in they've had in the past, but, you know, and just for, I think they have control, like natural disasters and, you know, and other other sort of, you know, instances. So I still don't know if they've caught that dog. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah. And the guy on his motorbike, but that's another story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but um, look, yeah, you know, but. Yeah, oh, look, it was my first time to Carmichael Park, I must admit, and uh, look, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a, a really good night, and uh, like I said, they, they, they should be proud. I think, you know, it, it was a great night all around. I think both nights were great events, and, you know, so I think there's a lot of people who we thanked, you know, Football Queensland and you know, everyone involved for that, and I think, you know, it's a great advertisement for, for local football. It most certainly was. Congratulations to everybody involved in putting that event on that very short note when it was moved from Park to Ferry due to the weather just a 12, few hours 12 before. 12 p.m. was the, with the public notification that the it was moved. So to, to be able to set up and put on put on sort of, you know, a night there. And they also had the under-23s final as well between Albany Creek and uh, Surface Paradise on, on another field as well before the uh, the FQPL2 men's grand final. So the fact they were able to cater for all that, um, it was, like I said, it was, I think it's a remarkable effort to turn that all around in six hours. So look, well done to everyone at, uh, at Wolves. Absolutely. Well, everyone involved in putting on a very short note. That's nothing I'm quite with the head coach of Surface Paradise, well, Alex Morrison, and the centre forward Teddy Watson. Let's see what they have to say after this. We'll be back right after this. Uh, talking about the coach of for Alex Morrison, Captain Teddy Watson. Guys, congratulations on the, on the um, win here. What was your thoughts on the matchup? It was, it was a really tight match and you got over the line in the end. Yeah, I thought it was a good game. You know, we knew winning would give us everything, especially playing at their ground. Um, they've been on a good run towards the end of the season. So, you know, we knew we'd wrapped up the league quite early, so we had to make sure we ramped it back up, um, so we knew these Sanford and uh, Wyndham games would be really tough. Um, they equalised very late in the regular relation nine. What did you say at extra time to get the boys um, going for the extra 30? I just said the boys, nothing's easy. You know, grand finals are never easy. So, you know, what do you think they were just going to lay down? So, you know, we had to step back up, which we done. Um, and we showed, you know, what the spirit we've got. But they're a good team. And I just said to the boys, you know, what are you made of? Uh, Teddy, how did you find out there on the field as well? Yeah, it was, it was hard work. There was a few lads getting cramped, me included. Um, we were trying to run through it. Um, but we had great subs ready to go. It was a big team effort tonight, and we knew we needed everyone on full board to get the win. That's a really good way to wrap up the season off yourself. 
Yeah. We just been able to go with a couple of throws to pick up as well. Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, it's been a good season for individual and for the team. Um, so this is just extra for me. It was all about winning the league and then the double for me. Alex, how did you deal with the late change of venue from Perry Park out here to Wynnum Wall? Oh, Willsey, the Wynnum coach is a mate of mine, so he just rang me and said, what do you think? And I said, I'll play in a car park. I don't care. Let's just play. You know, I wanted to play Friday night. I'm actually flying out on Sunday to go home to see my dad. Um, so I desperately wanted to play and, you know, what changed to Sunday. Otherwise, who knew, you know, who knew we'd be coaching? So, um, you know, I was desperate to play tonight. We would have played anywhere because, you know, and a great venue here at Wynnum. We're happy to play in a good venue and a good surface. Um, and no excuses, you know. The best team always wins no matter where you play. Absolutely. And just finally, uh, it was a great night for the club. 23s as well, getting the result. It must be really pleasing for the club to do the, do the double. Yeah, absolutely stoked, mate. 23s had a great season. You know, for them to 3-1 up, then it went 3-0. And then Ethan Benigno scored a great free kick to win it. So we heard it as we were warming up. So, so happy for the 23s and Dave Benigno. They've had a great season too. It's a whole club uh, to win things. We've used a lot of their players this season. So it was fantastic. I will you guys go to the celebration. Congratulations. Cheers, guys. Thank you. And thank you to Alex and Teddy for their time there in that chat. And we thank all the players and coaches who have spoken to us all season long here on the Brisbane Football. A special shout-out to Mark from the Gold Coast Knights, who also doubles as yes. Surface Paradise's media mentor, who went and collected all those interviews for us on Friday. So thank you very much, Mark, for your assistance there in that one. But it, it was three cracking grand finals. Adam, and a great way to win the men's season up here in Queensland. It was. And just, just a quick note on the um, on the men's uh the fqpl2 grand final interview that they were very very late that was very it was past i think it was about past 11 o'clock when we actually spoke to uh to both alex and uh teddy so look to we thank them as well you know obviously being winners all that but i think they would have also wanted to you know get out there and you know start celebrations especially after that going into extra time after an 8 30 kickoff so uh very very appreciate as we are for everyone that you know that we've had uh on this show uh this year Absolutely, we still have a couple of weeks to go as we focus mm. on the MPL and FQPL women's finals, which kick off next weekend. But before that, we have the final round of the regular season, round 18 of the MPL, which we'll start with first. And the game which we did cover the majority of on our social media platforms this afternoon was up at Ballinger Park between Sunset Coast Wanderers and Capalabar FC. It was a it was a, a, a game where Capalabar needed a point to secure a finals position. They could have even secured a home final if things had gone their way. Unfortunately for their sake, they did not. It was a 2-0 win for Sunshine Coast. Two goals from Louise Rolfe in the second half saw the Wanderers finish on a winning note, and I think they might have collected a bunch of new fans down at um, Wakeley Park, Adam, with South secure that final spot in the top four. Uh, they may or they may not have. It depends on what the mindset is, because maybe... Because uh, look, I, look, I'm, I'm joking. I think that obviously South South would have, uh, uh, you know, been intent on that, and I think they'd want another shot at finals football because obviously they were they were on the bye this week, and obviously had Capalabar had you know done the deal and uh, and got that point uh, that their season would have been over. Um, look, a couple of things to take away take away out of that. If you bear with me, uh, obviously a great win for for Sunshine Coast Wanderers. <laughs> Um, look, Louise Rolfe, you know, she had, she had a great game. She had two second half goals, probably should have scored in the first half as well if it wasn't for the, for the posts as well. But, um, but yeah, look, uh, that, that was a, a great effort and a, a great effort by Sunshine Coast. They, they'll fit, they finished sixth, but, uh, look, a marked improvement from, from them this year. I think, uh, Corey Robbins has got that, that program really sort of, you know, humming along. And I think, you know, obviously another season in MPL, I think they, they can really sort of, you know, go again at that next level. Uh, also as well, I think the games have changed as well. A serious injury to Shannon Doherty, who I want to push out. She's one of our uh, law followers, especially on our Instagram as well. So uh, uh, it looked a pretty nasty. So Shannon, I hope you uh, recover well for, for that. Because, um, yeah, like I say, it, it looked pretty bad. But on the other side, I think, so the only negative thing is that I, I, I'm scratching my head wondering how on Earth did this Capalabar team miss the finals? But how they even get in the spot? Like there's there's four Brisbane Raw contracted players in that team. It's a it's a Matilda for God's sake. Like it, how does that how does that team fun, yeah how does that team miss the finals? I, I don't I don't get it. I like the the, the other player like said you got a, you know a player of the caliber of Billy Murphy is captain. She's a, she's a great player. Like I said, you've got the contracted players in you know in Talitha Kramer, you know Larissa Crummer, Holly Palmer. Yeah, how do, how does that team miss the finals? And then they've all they've all played. 
that's the thing is, it's not like no, like like I can excuse what happened to Morton Bay. They that they their um sort of their top cavalry, it sort of they they were injured and they were come, just coming back, and you can explain why they finished relegation. But I just don't, I just don't know. I I don't know what's happened there. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's a big that's a big mystery for me because they're probably the only team on paper I actually thought you know. Player on player could actually probably match it with Lions, even though they they, they got thumped five nil uh, last week. Maybe maybe after that loss, maybe they didn't want another shot on. They thought maybe you know I, I don't I don't want to cast aspersions or anything like that. But I'm not sure that was their thought process. But I'm sure they were very keen for another shot of the most competitive. Yeah, because I think that like I said on paper, if they played their best, I think they had they had the side that probably you know could match with Lions and probably could you know beat them. But uh, yeah, no, they, they, their season's over. And uh, look, I think. Uh, yeah, it's a very, very poor ending for, for that club in general. You know, the, the the men get relegated, you know, pretty meekly at the end without a win. Uh, and their women's team, which I thought would be their guiding light uh, to miss the finals. Um, yeah, I think it'd be a bit soul-searching down at John Fredericks Park, uh, you know, over the coming off-season. Plenty to ponder down at, at um, John Fredericks Park for the Bulldogs over the off-season. The other results from the final round of play in the NPL Women's Regular season, the Lions rounded out their perfect regular season with a 3-0 win at the already relegated Morton Bay. Angela vs. Lewis, Tegan Riding and Marielle Hecker on the score sheet. In that one, uh, East secured a third-place finish with a 3-0 win away to Olympic FC. Two goals from Maya Bruckner and one from Anna Goda helped them get that result. And the final game of the round, Gold Coast United were at home against QAS. A win for them would secure a top-two spot in a home semi-final. That's exactly what they did. They got a 2-0 win with Deanna Thompson on the score sheet once again. Adam, so Gold Coast United... They do secure a third straight top two finish. We'll have to see if they can go on with it next week. Absolutely. The two goals they scored were absolute beauties. Uh, Deanna Thompson's first goal from you know, downtown, that was that was something special. But then Annabelle Gibson, uh, who's not hasn't scored that many goals, but uh, she has a nice sweet one to to you know to make it 2-0. So so yeah, so look, uh, they they had they host he East who are in very, very good form. That's gonna be probably the pick of the definitely the pick of the semifinals uh next week, East and Gold Coast United, because there's not much between them. My Bruckner will go into that. Uh, we'll go into that. Uh, that uh, game next week in good form as well. And Scott's mentioned something. So maybe I might have slipped up here. No, no. We will preview those two F- MPL women so in just a moment. Oh, okay. We'll go oh, through oh, the final standings of the regular season. Yeah. Hold your horses on the previews. Oh, we will like, get to it. I promise you, we'll get to no, it. I, I, let the champagne out early again in the presentation. Like a few you have. That happened a few times over the weekend. Just, just <laughs> hold your horses. Final standings in the NPL Women's for Season 2022. Lions FC, they were unbeaten on 46 points. Finished 15 points clear of Gold Coast United in second place on 31. Then it's East 27 and South United 23, rounding out the top four. Capalaba also finished on 23 points, but goal difference means that it's South in the top four, not Capalaba. Sunset Coast Wanderers finished on 21 points in six. Olympic on 14, QAS on 11, and Morton Bay finish on 9. And in terms of the golden boot, Adam, it is a first ever golden boot, believe it or not, for Tegan Riding with 14 goals in the regular season. We know she's been a prolific goal scorer in every single year of this competition, firstly at East, then at Lions. And it seems unfathomable this is actually her first golden boot. It doesn't, doesn't sound sure? right, does it? I've just sure? gone and checked my notes on this, and unless my notes are lying to me, this is her first golden boot, as crazy as it seems to be. For a player that's probably, it's just, I think we calculated over 200 goals she scored in her career up here at the top level. I, I, I'm sure you might have the number, but I know it was over 200. But for a first golden boot, that's that's an incredible start. Um, so congratulations to her, first and foremost. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that, that, yeah, she's won. She's won the golden boot. Uh, and look, she's had she's had a fantastic season. I think it's pretty plain obvious. You know, and a team that's very, very well balanced this year as far as just sharing the workload this year. Absolutely, she's had a fantastic year. Congratulations to Tegan on that golden boot. Hopefully, she can add to that in the semi-finals, which we will talk about now. And since you were so keen to talk about Gold Coast down in Eastern Suburbs, we will go to that matchup first. So that is that is second place, third, and that we down at the Coplick Family Sports Park at some point. Um, times, dates, and, dates and all the rest still to be confirmed by Football Queensland at the time of recording, but it should be a home game for Gold Coast down there at Coplex, which they've had two years in a row, and they haven't been able to get to a grand final in the previous two. Let's see if they can do it mm. this week, Adam, against a really attack-minded Eastern Suburbs side who have a good record against Gold Coast in this regular season. They've met twice 
It was a 1-0 win at Heath Park in round six and a one-all draw down on the Gold Coast in round 15. So East have had the better of the contest so far. But down there on the Gold Coast, do you think this, I think this is probably a great opportunity for Gold Coast United to get through to a grand final. Do you agree? I think so. I think, uh, yeah, they 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 uh, are starting to sort of develop a record. Yeah, like so they they lose they lose this, and I think it's a case of all you know we're getting a a Olympic slash you know potential power you know complex about you know what happens in finals for them uh, because like I said they 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 you know clearly probably like, as a, as we say you take a, take away you know that. That just that incredible Lions squad that isn't that you know that's gone undefeated this season, but like I said, you you'd almost put pit that Gold Coast United probably second in the pecking or just ahead of East, but uh, yeah, look, uh, they, they should on paper they've got they've got a great squad, um, and and they they should be able to, you know, get get their get their shot again, you know, assuming that you know nothing goes wrong and you know, the Lions you know get through the other side of the bracket, you think that Gold Coast, you know, have the greatest opportunity being at being at home at Complex. But this is so it's East size. Well they they are dangerous. They are dangerous. Now I wouldn't it would not shock me either way. Whoever comes out of this grand final this semi-final I should say, getting to the grand final, it would it would not shock me because uh, I think both sides are in, in great form and I think it's good. this is gonna be a beauty of a game. They've got a lot of firepower Eastern they've got three players who finished in the top ten of the gold including you mentioned my book earlier. Lauren Askin and also Sophie Pearson were in the top 10. So plenty of firepower for that East side. But Gold Coast have a really good defence. So I think that could almost be the match in a nutshell. Can, can mm. Gold Coast keep East out? And if they can, they've got enough quality in the front of themselves, Gold Coast, to go and get the goals to win the game. But it's, I think it'll be at the other end of the field where this matchup is going to be decided. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that's that's the battleground. If if Gold Coast, you know, if defence holds up, Against that, you know, that really good East attack. Yeah, uh, whoever whoever wins that battle wins the game. I think it's it's a very simplistic uh, prediction, but I think that's I think that holds true. That you know, it's it's yeah, uh, that that's what it comes down to. We'll see if that simplicity pays off for you next weekend. The other semi-final is first place Lions SC against fourth place South, and they've met three times this season in the league. It was a one-nil win in round two for Lions, and round eleven it was a five-nil win. That game was at Lions Stadium. Most recently, it was a 4-0 win for Lions at Goodwood Park in the Cup. So 10-0 in aggregate over the three games. I think it's fair to say that Lions do start favourites. But as we saw in the Cup, Souths do have a couple of handy players. And if they can get themselves in front, we've seen what can happen in finals. And one thing that you know that Rob Askew will be looking at, he will be looking at what happened to the Lions men's side, which were probably considered equally favourites to go through in that grand final. That did not happen. They slipped up at home. I'm sure we'll be using that as a message to speak to his players, don't let that happen because it it might look like a one-sided matchup on paper, but Souths have got some quality players and they can certainly win this match. The one the one thing that you know, bear in mind is that I think the first goal for Souths would be to score a goal. If they can get, at least get one, uh, that they'll, they'll break a long, long drought. I think we recorded it at nearly 900 minutes. Uh, last time was 2018 that they actually that they actually uh, put a ball in the back of the net against uh, Lions in a in a uh, in a league game. So that that's probably the first step. But look, you're right as far as the quality of players. You know, they've, you know, Bella Bella Habuda, you know, Rika Tano, uh, you know, you know, uh, Amy Moreland, and you know, and even. Yeah, like I said, they're, they're, there's there's three attacking players, you know, right there that you know that certainly can and uh, Caitlin Cassell is probably the other one that comes to mind. There there's some experienced players there, and you know they're they gonna have to be at their best. There's, there's no question about it. It's, uh, there's probably they're probably lacking a little bit. They've got some young players that they will also need to step up. But um, look, it was it was a one side affair in the in the cup final. Uh, Look, I'm expected to probably go the same way, but again, you know these knockout games, and and you're right, you we would you would have backed you know the Lions men you know, a couple of weeks ago, be actually unbackable, even just you know despite you know obviously the Olympic sort of you know rivalry, and you saw what happened there. You know it wouldn't shock me if this is a tight game, and you know, especially if Souths can hold can hold that you know that that much vaunted Lions attack to you know you know to new all you know approaching 75 minutes, and they can pinch one. Look, you just you just never know. So, look, I, as I said, I expect that Lions should do, do the business, but you know what? What's it, there's no it's no fun if you think oh that's going to be the result. So I'm going to say that hopefully that South can at least you know, get a goal. You know, really put some pressure on, make Lions earn that 
Redfall spot. Hopefully they're two cracking Anfield Mistakes, I'm sure they will be. Again, times and dates to be confirmed for both of those. Much as we'll bring those to you on our social media platforms when they are confirmed, but that should be two good matchups in the MPL Women's next weekend. In the FQPL Women's, Adam, it was also the final round of that competition this afternoon in round 21 of play. And we'll go through these matchups in a little bit of detail quickly. It was a 3-1 win for Western Pride over the gap. Two goals from Meg McGilley at one from Phoebe Clissold. That meant that they secured the third place. It was a three-way battle between Western Pride, Brisbane City and Virginia. We'll get to what happened between Yeltsin in a minute, but that result for Western Pride means that they do finish third and they will play Mitchell next week and they go into that matchup with a bit of form and confidence, Adam. Yeah, because uh, the form of Western Pride has been very, very worrying of late. So it looks like there's at least, you know, they know the finals are coming around. They, I think they were a slight chance of maybe missing out. Results had to really conspire against them, including, you know, you know, a loss, a loss uh, to to the to the bottom place gap. So they at least look after that. So, so like I said, they'll at least go in with some form against Mitchelton next week. But um, but yeah, look, this is be a big good game. It was a chance they were going to miss out, but it was always a long shot, and they made sure that was well and truly not going to happen. They were three 0 up, uh, just uh, just around the hour mark, yeah. and at that point, it was well and truly the game. Most congratulations to everyone out there at Western Pride. They just secured their first ever finals appearance in their women's program. So congratulations to them. For that one, the final spot in the top four was between Brisbane City and Virginia. Both entered the, entered play on the same points, but it was Brisbane City who had the goal difference advantage. So they did have the advantage going into the, the final round, but they had the harder game. They had to play at home to Mitchelton. They were 2-0 down in this game, Adam. They fought back to make it to all goals from Ashley Hummels and Natsumi Tanaka equaled out goals from Rachel Dudley and Carly Wilson for the visitors. Unfortunately, however, they went down by four goals to two with a couple of late own goals. That meant Brisbane City missed their opportunity to secure a top four spot, meaning Virginia needed just a point away to South Queensland Thunder to secure their finals. And they achieved just that thanks to Kay Yamamuro and Gabriela Francisco in a two-all draw. So Virginia are through to the finals next week, and that is their first appearance in the finals. Also, congratulations to everyone at Virginia. Yeah, they um, we, we actually projected it, that uh, they thought that it would come down the final week and that Brisbane City and Western Pride both were in a little bit of trouble with their sort of their form. But uh, yeah, that, first things first, yeah, congratulations to Virginia. I think uh, they they made they, a great late run of the season as well. Yeah, yeah, and they, and they did the same last season. So if they can get their sort of you know their starts start of the season right, uh, they, they they can obviously be able to be, be very, very competitive. But they they came home and like I said they they they're the team in form and they deserve their spot in the top four. On the other hand, City, yeah, that's been it's a bit of a mystery as well. But they've they've had a really, really rough season that program. Um obviously, you know, coaching change mid season, injuries galore, uh, some very key players. Um, you know, going down with it with long-term injuries as well. Probably just what stunted them. So, yeah, to, uh, unfortunately, I thought that they had, they had a great start to the season, but sort of just trailed away into they got sort of, you know, to take a racing pole and they got nothing at the post. So, um, obviously, I expect improvement in that, that program. Mixture David Silva is a very, very highly regarded coach, you know, of women's football, and I'm sure that he'll get that program back on track next season. So, but they'll go in that with a couple of weeks longer break. Be a big preseason for Brisbane City and David De Silva. The final game of the round was between the already crowned premiers, Peninsula Power and Logan Lightning, and Peninsula Power did make it an unbeaten season for them. So, two win goals to Emily Phillips and Tegan Van Vegtel. So, congratulations to everybody up there on the Peninsula, a unbeaten season in the FQPL1 women's for them, and they do finish top of the table as we look at the final stand. So just just one just yep. one question go before ahead. we go, because you did the um, the wrap-up on the FQPL women's yep. goal scorers. Uh, what distance did Tegan Van Vettel score her goal from? Was it uh, 30 yards, 40 yards? I'll get back to you <laughs> on that one. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll have to get back to you on that one, but it's another fantastic... Oh, oh did you get the text? I, oh, get, the... I might have got that information from somebody who shall remain nameless, although they know exactly who they are. Oh, they are. But, yes. But I will say Tegan Van Vechel is very much known for scoring long-range goals, so I would not, be at all surprised. would not be at all surprised if it's another long-range bomb. Anyway, the final standings in FQP1, Peninsula Power finished top of the table on 57 points. Mitchelton second on 46. And it's Western Pride screwing their final spot today on 37. And Virginia rounding out top four on 34 points. It's Brisbane City, 33 South West Queensland Thunder 17, Logan Lightning 14, and the gap on just the two points. And speaking of 
goals and golden boot winners. It's, this will be no surprise to you, Adam. The golden boot winner in FQPL1, I think we crowned this a long time ago. It is Kaylee Poufroy from Mitchell with 39 goals. A spectacular season and a, a richly deserved award. Absolutely, Bev. She's going, she's going to win it from very, very early on. But uh, look, uh, 39, 39 goals in uh, 21 games. There's nothing to sneeze at. And I think she's had a great season. And we expect more next season, I think. From her, I think I think she's a very, she's a very very special player. I think you know, in the women's leagues up here. And uh, look, I think that you know, we look scary things. We may not have seen the best of it yet. So let's see what she can do in the NPL women's mm. next year with Mitchell. Mm. Hopefully, looking ahead to these semifinals very very quickly, Adam, because we've been going for almost an hour. Peninsula Power they will play Virginia again. Dates, times to be confirmed. All the rest of it probably be at AJ Kelly Park between those two. So they played three times this year. It was one 0 win for Peninsula Power in round one, two 0 in round eight. And most recently, a 2-1 win in round 15. So three pretty close games. I think that suggests that Virginia have a way of playing against Prince Ballot. It makes it very difficult for them. And it might be a bit more of a tricky semi-final than you would think on the face of it. Yeah, I think I think that Virginia, I reckon they'll, they'll be pretty competitive and they'll be up for this. Uh, nothing to lose, obviously. Um, they go to the AJ Kelly Park and, you know, potentially try and shock the world almost. And uh, But look, I expect that, you know, potential power, you know, they'll... they'll they should, they should, they should win that and should win that uh, well. But I, like I said, it's not, it's not going to be easy. And I think that uh, they need to be wary of the ambush. But I think if they play to what they have for the last twenty-one games, I think they should uh, move safely through to the grand final. Absolutely. In the second matchup will be the second place Mitchelton against the third place Western Pride. A four-three win for Mitchelton in round three. A four-two win for Mitchelton in round ten. And a three-two win for Mitchelton in round seventeen. So three wins out of three for Mitchelton this year and. Is it too simplistic? Too simplistic. And so this is a straight shootout between Kaylee Prufroy and Megan McGillick, given the score is 8-4 to Kaylee Prufroy in the these three matchups this year. They were by far and away the most dominant goal scorers in the league this year. And they, again, I think it could almost be a straight shootout between the two of them in terms of who can fire their side into a grand final next week. Absolutely. I think it will be. But I also have a feeling that, you know, defences win finals matches. Attacks win league matches. And I think whichever team handles the the other team's you know you know predatory striker better is going to win the game. I think it it comes down to that. I think yeah, look, Mitchelton have won all three games, but if that Western Pride defence can hold can hold um, you know Kay Poufroy and, and come, look, she's not the only one. I think you know Rachel Dudley is also very very dangerous as well. Um, if they can shut those players down and you know, and Megan McGillard fires at the other end, it could it could very, very well be a Western Pride uh into, into the grand final. And then the flip side as well. That you know, if if that if that the defense can um if Mitchell defense can hold out hold out Megan McGallagher, I think yeah, they're they're well on their way uh to to you know their place in the grand final. So I think it's this is gonna be a good this is gonna be a good final this one. Absolutely, two very good semifinals. Looking forward to those matchups next week. That does recap the local weekend here in Queensland. We're going for almost now, Adam. So I'm going to preface this very, very quickly. What is your very, very quick take on Sydney United 3-2 win over Brisbane Raw in your shake-up? First of all, congratulations to everyone down there at Sydney United 58, the first NPL side to get through to an Australia Cup final. But from a Brisbane perspective, how do you, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that one? Look, disappointing loss for Brisbane Raw, um, but I think as well, I just get this sense, I just get the sense with a number of things that they didn't fully give Sydney United the respect or thought they were capable of doing what they did. Um, and like I said, this, this is the magic of the cup. But you know, this is what this is. This is the true meaning of this. That, you know, sometimes sides do extraordinary things, and what the Sydney United side has done, you know, is pretty extraordinary. So, look, congratulations to them. Look, there's plenty of time to go over the uh, the black box as far as you know what happened with the raw, you know, why this happened. But uh, look, I think for the moment, you know, I know a lot of people had their had their shots on Twitter. You know, I think the blame game has already started. Look, uh, what we what. You, I, and James do. We'll look at it next couple of days, and you know, I think we'll, we'll review it you know, in the cold light day rather than on emotion. Absolutely, we'll do that. People have a scapegoat, and there's plenty of them going at the moment. But disappointment and a huge opportunity missed, I think, is the best way to sum that up. But again, congratulations to everyone down there at Sydney. You know, we saw once again a great crowd down there at the Denzer Park, and it's another great example of the fact that there is plenty of interest in mm. a lot of these NPL member federation clubs. And again, a second division with these teams in it. I think can absolutely work. Just, just quickly on that, just want to expand on that point as well. I think uh, across 
across Australia this weekend. There's Grand Falls in Queensland. There's there Grand Falls one in, 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 uh, in progress at the moment in Victoria. South Australia, Western Australia. Big crowds at all those games, all those grand final weekends. All the member federations seem to be putting in big events on and the people responding. Like, if you cannot tell me there's not an undertow of you know, real satisfaction at the moment for the local games. So, you know, look, I think I think side times ahead going forward. I think, you know, I think the message of Football Australia that, you know, don't, like I said, while the A-League is still the key competition and it's the flagship competition, do not, whatever you do, forget that, you know, the grassroots are still strong as ever. And I think you look at the crowds across the country in their grand finals, and even, even in Sydney as well, they've got three and a half thousand Combank for their grand final um, as well. Like I said, that, you know, there's obviously a lot of interest. A lot of people are interested not only in the A-League, but also in the local game. And you see the fact a lot of these, these grand finals, we were there last night, every time we yeah. go to these grand finals, you see juniors from every of all the competing clubs there in their colours, backing their back in the senior team for the club that they play for. And it's almost like they're, they're starting very early in, in making those, not just lifelong players for those clubs, but also lifelong fans. And that's, again, if they we do get a second division up and running, that's exactly what you would want for all these member federation clubs. But like I said, people say, people say, I know I'm going a little bit off topic, but you're, people are trying to understand why, you know, say, for example, AFL gets the support it does. That didn't happen in the last five years. That is like, they, they say, cradle... Cradle the grave, you know, you know, support. And, you know, that's what football needs to do. That's what they need to focus on is that, you know, that you, you're, the grassroots, the young juniors as well, you're identifying with a club, not only just the, their A-League club, but also locally as well. I think, like I said, this whole myth of that, you can have more than one club to support. You can have a local club and you can have, a, you know, a, 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 a National League club. You know, for me, Morton Bay is my local club. You know, I even have you know, a local club, you know, in, in uh, the Metro Leagues as well, in Pine Rivers. So there's no, there's, and like I said, obviously I support Brisbane Rules. There's no reason why these kids cannot have a couple of clubs to follow. And that, that is how you build momentum. That's how you build fans. And as you said, you know, you start them early. They keep on following their clubs, you know, sp- you know, locally and at the national level. And that is how you go. That's how football is going to going to reign supreme in this country. It's not going to be today. It's not going to be tomorrow. It's not going to be in two years' time. I'm talking, you know, probably outside our lifetimes. But it's got to happen. And, that, that, and these are the building blocks for it. Nina, why I call Adam the mayor of Morton Bay. If everyone's still talking about Morton Bay United, see if you can work in a Pine Rivers United mentions with him as well next time that you do see him. But <laughs> before we go through any more of that, Adam, it's not really in the clubs that I play for all the rest of it. Who's your performer of the week this week? Um, look, I, I can't go past Pasquale De Vita. I, like I said, you know, come to the hour, come with the man. Um, I, he he was the he was the fa- X Factor in that grand final and it, the play of the grand final, you know, Technically, get definitely gets the uh, performer of the week. He he was he was great. Yeah, I'm not going to end that. I co-sign that he's absolutely was the best player on the field in the NPL grand final. And that gets you the performer, no doubt about that. So, Adam, thanks for joining me once again on this edition of the Prison Football Warriors NPL Sunday Show. Yeah, but thank you and good night. We'll be back next week to recap the NPL and FQ Women's semi-finals and look into the grand finals of those competitions. We'll talk to you all again then.